Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Eileen Gaffin, your host for Reputation and Influence. We're a show that explores how women business leaders built their reputation, resilience, and resources to become influential leaders. Our topic today is building confidence on camera habits. And our leading lady is Katie Temple. Katie is the founder and CEO of Katie Temple Media Coaching. And before she started Executive Media Coaching, Katie built her reputation as an Emmy award-winning sports broadcaster, a career which spans more than 25 years and where she covered sports locally, across the country, and around the world. Hello and welcome, Katie. Thanks for having me, Eileen. You know I always love to spend time with you. Oh, good, and we get to do it not on camera. That's the irony of this program. We're going to talk all about (laughs) on-camera habits, and we get to do it with audio only. How's that? That's the the trick, right? That's our trick. (laughs) Show's over. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So I, I want to start off by talking about you. As you heard about, you know, the Reputation and Influence show, it's also important to talk about your career, how you built your career and reputation as a sports broadcaster. Let me ask you, I would love to get into that. You said reputation, resilience, and what was the other R that you used in the open? Resources. What resources did you have? I love it. Okay. I just, I like those, so I wanted to write them down. Uh, So when I was a little girl, my mom said that she gave me a doll for one of my birthdays, and I threw it over the fence. And I was always a tomboy. I just always wanted to play sports. I took ballet. I took piano, and I was good at those things, uh, but I just wanted to play sports. And so I played sports as a kid. I played in high school. I played softball in college. I, was, I, I came from a gaggle of brothers and cousins, and so in every holiday we lived in a cul-de-sac in Merced, California, and we would be out there playing football or basketball, and, and I was always out there, and it's, it's always just what I wanted to do. When I was younger, I just decided, well, since I can't be an Olympic athlete, I really wanted to be an Olympic volleyball player when I was a kid. That was my dream, but I didn't even oh, wow. know how to make that happen. And so I ended up just deciding, well, that's what I want to do. I think I want to talk about sports because I love them so much. And I had done a small project in Merced where I grew up where I did some sports on a local TV station uh, about the community. And I, I was hooked for the first time. I got hooked on it a lot throughout my career, but that's how it began. And I just decided that's what I wanted to do. I just wasn't sure how to get there. Uh, and so I found my own way and was on the air for the first time when I was 26. And that's, that's really actually a, kind of a long time to wait after college. But me, you know, everybody's journey is different and no regrets, uh-huh. but that's kind of how, that's kind of how it all started. 
When you were in college, did you pursue broadcasting? I did. I, I went to St. Mary's College of California, and at the time they didn't have a broadcasting department, but they had a journalism department. And that was great in that I wasn't that uh, organized in high school. In other words, it, it wasn't like I looked at all these schools and Syracuse wanted me and the University of Missouri wanted me and Arizona, all these these schools with these reputable broadcast departments, because I, I just wasn't sure what I was doing. I went to St. Mary's, and I minored in Spanish, and I majored in communications. And again, it wasn't TV. It was more journalism. And, and that was good at the time, because there's a really big difference, and there was especially at that time, but there's a really big difference between journalism for print and journalism for broadcast. And so I learned a lot about journalism during college, long format writing and mm-hmm. ethics and, and integrity and, and, how, and that format. And the other part is that I had a college professor who said, Commun- of all your communication skills, listening is your most important. And I learned that in college, and I've never forgot that. And that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten for myself and for my clients. That's great advice. And, and so – do you go from just having a dream of being on air and they throw you in the sportscaster seat or what happened? I mean, how do you get to do that? <laughs> yeah, I just kind of, t- I was very focused. And for any of your listeners that really love something or focused, there's this thing where nothing stands in the way and you get mm-hmm. all these doors slammed in your face, but you just kind of keep going and that's what happened. And so I had moved to Spain. I was studying Spanish in college and moved to Spain and took a, uh, switched out being an RA for a trip to Spain with my parents and fell in love with the country. And I know this sounds like it's not going anywhere, but it is. And then in 1992, <laughs> I ended up moving back to Spain and getting a job with the Olympics. I was working at the Olympics, which were in Barcelona. And at that oh, time, so I was you still did trying to recognize figure- your Olympic dream. It just was different than what you first imagined. <laughs> Exactly. I was working 18 hours a day trying to gather all this film for Sports Illustrated, and I still have Polaroids of the Dream Team of Michael Jordan and and Charles Barkley, which is funny. But, yes, I did get there and fell in love with that experience, yes. And so I I didn't know what to do. I didn't think I could follow the dream in Spain, so I came home. And for me, the logical thing was to go to Atlanta because 96 was the next Olympics. So I ended up moving to Atlanta. On my own, a friend of mine's sister helped me get an internship for free at CNN Sports. And I was staying on her couch for two weeks. I didn't even know her till I moved there. I stayed on her couch for two weeks. I got the internship at CNN Sports. I started waiting on tables uh, to make money, and I got my own apartment, and that's when it started. I got this internship, and it was a terrific experience. I was hooked again, and then I just kind of did everything I could in Atlanta. I sold tickets for the Braves. I worked for the Atlanta Hawks and finally got a job with Sports South, which was one of the um, networks under the Turner umbrella. And I was working as a production coordinator. And I, in my off time, I, they had the rights to a lot of events. And so in my off time, I asked the executive producer, can I do some sideline stuff for these sports that other people don't want to cover? And I did enough on my own in my free time to get a reel together. And I finally got a reel together. And I got a lot of no's, but the first yes was in Fresno, California. And so I went out to Fresno and started my career. And the ironic thing 
or co- or coincidental thing is that Fresno is an hour south of where I grew up. So it was not too big of a jump for me. I was comfortable with the mm-hmm. valley. I had spent a lot of time in Fresno because my mom grew up there. And I knew Fresno State sports, so I got lucky there. And, and that's how I did it. I just kind of, I kind mm-hmm. of fumbled my way through it. Yeah, oh, good sports term. Um, <laughs> I, I would say nice. those listening right now, um, I hope you heard what Katie said about asking. She didn't sit and say, I hope somebody recognizes that I've got talent and they're just going to hand me a job. When she was on the job or in the internship, she asked. And I think that's really important for anyone starting in their career and even midway in your career. If there's something that you want to do or there's a project that you see happening at work uh, and you're just trying to get to that next level, you've got to talk to someone about it. People can't read your mind. Um, Yes. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's more important, I think, now than ever, because depending on which generation, I think people really, you know, I work with these younger, these younger generation and and they're not, they need to be told you got to go after it. You have to go after it. You have to get out of your comfort zone and ask for help and, and ask people for their advice and ask people for their feedback and how can I get better and keep those, you know, keep those relationships going and reach out to people even though it's uncomfortable because people do want to help. They do want to help. They're just busy. And to your point, they can't read your mind. But I think that that, that got me a long way because if I – it wasn't going to come to me, Eileen. It was not just going to come to me. Yeah. Well, let's turn it around to the folks that are trying – to um, get better at being on camera. You're the pro. You've been at this for, you know, more than 25 years. And we all know that public speaking is a top fear for most people. Does that apply also to being videotaped or doing a live interview? How does that rank up there with nerves and anxiety? That's a good question. What I have found is that the camera can make even the most confident people uncomfortable. And that's what I've found out, especially since COVID hit, because there are a lot of people that were engaging and confident and extroverts in person and very effective. And now they're not because the camera either changes their emotions, and by that I mean nerves and fear, and then the tactical part, and by that I mean you may be confident, but you just don't like the way you look on camera or it's not picking up your best aspects like you thought it would or how you were in person. And both of those are legitimate. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Yeah. And so are, how, do, how do, what are some of the ways to handle those nerves or, you know, looking at yourself too long and seeing, and seeing something you're not happy with? Well, it just kind of depends on that's where the work is. The work is, so the tactical side, meaning the stuff that you're not really happy with, that's what we could work on, whether it has to do with your background, which I work with my clients on their background, or for some reason, it could be the angle of your face, it could be the angle of your shoulders, it could be what you're wearing, it could be your hair. The thing that I try to tell people is you got to give yourself grace. Here's why. The camera changes things. Regardless of there's no and there's no rhyme or reason and i know people have heard over for years and years and years the camera adds 10 pounds 
It's the same thing for a lot of things. It just picks you up differently. And so what you need to do is you need to tinker with it while the camera's on, if that makes sense. So here's what I tell my clients. You could look like a million bucks in, in the mirror. And by that, I mean, you know, Eileen, you've got a, you love your outfit. It's a good color. It's powerful. You've got a big meeting. Your hair looks great. Your makeup looks great. Your tie looks great. Whatever that is for men and women. You look, you're ready to just go dominate a meeting in the mirror. And sometimes the camera will miss that. And so this is what I tell people when it comes to those kind of things is you, may, you need to turn that camera on, 15, even if it's 15 seconds before your meeting, to make sure that the camera's picking up all of that beauty that you just saw in the mirror. And that's just a small example of, I know you didn't sign up for it, and that's where the compassion comes in. There's this global pandemic, and now people have all these nerves and this fear. They don't know what's going to happen. And now they have to look professional from this home studio, and they didn't sign up for that. But you do need yeah. to make an adjustment. You adapt or die. And so that's one of the things I tell my clients to do is make sure you turn that Zoom on or whatever you're using 15 seconds before, at the very least, just to make sure that you look the way that you want to look. That's really great advice. And then what about handling the nerves themselves, you know, like your nervous energy as they're breathing or, I mean, what else? can people do? It depends on what the nerves are coming from. And by that, I mean, are you, it, breathing really helps. Breathing is a really good one. So sometimes, um, especially if you're starting, I don't know, maybe if it's, you got a couple minutes to go and it's, it's go time pretty soon. The, the breathing in and holding for four seconds and out for four seconds is helpful. And if you can do that three times right before you go on, that will help. Breathing is really good to slow you down. Visualization is really good. And if you've got something that you're getting ready for that's big, I mean, you know, once you even know that it's on your calendar, I would recommend start visualizing how you want to come across and what you want the, the people in the audience to feel and to take away from that. Visualization is a good one. And just kind of live with that every day, especially if it's a big moment. And then the other thing yeah. about ner- – sorry? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, and the other thing about nerves is that you really just want to remember that the camera is your friend. And by that I mean pretend that you're talking to somebody that loves you and wants to see you succeed. And, I, and this, is one of a, this is one of the things I talk about all the time because that whole camera thing just really messes with people's minds, and I get that. And so when I was starting off, and I I think I put a video out on this recently, but I'll repeat it just because I think it's valuable. When I was starting off in TV in uh, in Atlanta, or excuse me, in San Diego, I I came here in 1999 and worked at Channel 6 through 05. And I was very, very green. I mean, the people I was working with probably thought I was terrible, but I, I like to think of it as just very green and had a lot to learn. But regardless, my nights were pretty rough. And by that, I mean, when I started anchoring sports, I hadn't anchored before. And it was rough. And I knew it on Mm -hmm. the inside, and I knew it when I watched it. And someone gave me some advice to think about the camera as your friend. And so what I started doing was thinking that every night I got out there and I was looking at the camera doing sports, I was talking to my two brothers, Josh and Mitch, who are sports fans. And they're my buddies, and they love me, and they want to see me succeed. So now all of a sudden I shifted my mindset to I'm just going to talk about sports of the day, San Diego National Sports of the Day, and I'm going to look at that camera like I'm talking and having a conversation with Josh and Mitch. 
And that's been really helpful for me. That changed my direction, and that also helped my clients. So for any of you, if you know, the, your audience right now, think about when you're looking into the camera and you freeze, see if you can change your mindset that it's actually a safe space. And whether it's your dog or your partner or your cousins or your kids or your best friend, who wants to see you succeed? Pretend that you're having a conversation about what you're talking about with that person and see if that helps you uh, kind of start chipping away at the nerves. But remember, it's going to take a little bit, but see if that helps with the mindset. Well, we're going to get some more great advice and tips from Katie. In just a minute, we're going to take a quick commercial break to recognize our sponsors. Good afternoon. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence, our partner and sponsor, Microsoft. And at Microsoft, their mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good, and they're working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and the opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in both big and small ways. So thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and partners. And Eileen, back to you and your show. Thank you. And with us today is Katie Temple. She is the founder and CEO of Katie Temple Media Coaching. And she's been giving us some great advice on how to get better at being on camera, about um, having some grace for yourself, um, thinking when you're looking in the camera, um, you know, whether you're being interviewed or whether it's on Zoom, um, to think of the people on the other side as being very friendly uh, and that you're talking to a friend and keeping it a little conversational. Um, so, Katie, that leads me to the next area. We've been talking about Zoom or other meeting platforms that we've been using this past year. And how do you advise executives to communicate and connect with their employees or customers? Can you tell me a little bit more about the challenges that you're talking about? The challenges, it, it goes a little bit to that um, empathy and connection, like how to be more connected to people when you're so far away. You're not able to just stop in their office um, and, you know, or have in-person meetings, and, but you still want to stay connected and keep it personal. And maybe that's hard to do when it's, um, you know, through the camera. It is. And, you know, you made a great point about those conversations because one of the biggest things that people are missing at offices is the water is the water cooler talk. That's a big one. And they're, they're missing. So all the data, it talks about how people that have offices usually are missing the small talk and the, and the kind of effective meetings that, you know, the kind that you walk into somebody's office and you have a five minute conversation. Oh, and you actually just got something done and they're missing that. And then they're missing kind of the mentorships around the office too. Those were the other things that those were the other things that started hitting people early. And part of that is how you want to do it. I mean, there's various things that people can do. And I know people are kind of burnt out with the playful stuff, but the playfulness is, is helpful. I had one client that sent all of his employees a recipe, uh, a cool recipe uh, and all the ingredients, which I thought was terrific. So the recipe and the ingredients, and then they did it together on zoom, which I thought was great. Uh-huh. And uh, that, 
And what that does is shows, number one, that you're more important than the business. We care about this. This has nothing to do with our business. This has to do with you. And I'm also going to support you financially to create this project. And we're all doing this kind of fun, silly thing on Zoom, and we're, and we're bonding that way. And I think the other thing is to – I have them also – Pay attention. So here's one of the challenges that everybody's having is that everybody is stressed and less focused because it's Zoom. And when you're in person, you have the time, you're getting in the car, you're maybe driving to another meeting, and you have time to think about things or be invigorated by new stimulus. And it's not like that on Zoom. So everybody's kind of walking around to a certain extent like a zombie. And it's really important that people are listening and focusing. And so uh, leaders need to just be extra careful with that, pay attention, ask questions, and make things more brief and impactful because people are checking out and they're stressed and they don't, they don't have the attention span that they do in person. And oh, I so like that, checking to keep it more yeah. brief and impactful. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, where... in, in and out. Where do you think there's room for the most improvement? Is there something that we all do on camera that we should just stop doing right now? <laughs> well, I could ask you the same thing because of your PR background. I mean, I, w- I would say that filler words is a big one. Filler words. Tell us what that is. Like, so, I, I mean, I do them too. Like, so, right? you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that kind of thing. Those filler words are really common on How do you, how do you get rid of camera. that from your speech? You need to stop. You need to realize that you're doing it, number one, as you know. Realize the problem, first of all. Figure out what that word is. Figure out why you're doing it. Why are you doing it? Are you not prepared? Do you not care? Are you just nervous? Do you need to just go back and prepare what you're talking about so that you don't use filler words? Or are you just nervous? Or you don't like pausing? That's the other thing, Eileen, and I'm sure you know this. We as humans are uncomfortable with silence in conversation. But I would argue to use the power of the pause in your favor. And so what I tell everybody, including myself, is if you feel a filler word coming on, pause, be really uncomfortable with that silence because it's really uncomfortable, and own it, fight through it, and then move on. And if you could do that a couple times a day just to start and start building that habit, it's going to be effective. But you're going to be a much more communicate, you're just going to be a much more confident and effective communicator if you minimize those filler words. You know what you reminded me of when you talked about the power of the pause? I learned that in fundraising. And you're asking for money. You, you, you work with um, charities and nonprofits as well. And when you ask for money or you ask for that donation, if it's in a big room at an auction or anything like that, when you ask, it's so uncomfortable to pause, but you have to do it and leave that silence because those donors are going to fill that, fill that space. If you keep talking, you're not going to get people, you know, coming forward. So the power of the pause, that's a great one. The power, yes, exactly, especially with fundraising. It's the, it's, and what's what people say, my sales clients say that they're really good at when they're trying to close a deal, too. 
Yeah, and I, I'm just imagining now with that other question that I asked you about, you know, when you're communicating with employees and customers, you had talked earlier about listening, and that, in, that involves pausing. Exactly. Pausing and listening and, yeah, giving space for the other person. And, and I will say that just from my interviewing days, part of that going back to as a, as a leader when you're, you, again, you want to lead through the, the pandemic and, and like you talked about, you're listening. But what the pauses do for, is the pauses show the employee that you're not in a rush if you're pausing, if you're asking questions. You're not in a rush. You really want to know what's going on with them. And the other part of that is that so as an interviewer, when I would interview athletes, Sometimes I would pause after they answered something to see if they, if they wanted to try again. In other words, there's a human nature where it's quiet, and so you're either nervous and you want to fill the space so you want to keep talking, or you just thought about something because you've given some time to think about it. Like you said, give everybody time to think about it. And sometimes well, that's, that's where one. the gold is. Yeah, that's where the gold is, is if you're just patient. Then maybe that's where the employee actually tells the truth about what's going on in his or her head or, or when somebody else thinks about something deeper that may be more effective. Excellent. Um, a lot of us are pretty casual in what we wear these days, and, if, and especially, you know, if we're working from home. Do you have any tips on what to wear on camera, whether you're being interviewed for the news or you're giving a speech or attending a meeting? Yes, I – just because we're communicating on Zoom doesn't mean we just get to throw in the towel. I mean, it drives me crazy. <laughs> you still want to be a professional. This stuff still matters. I'm guessing. I know that the people that are in your audience are professional and they want to be great. So I understand that things are a little more casual, and I know that that's actually been a gift to some people. I think also it's subjective. But I think you want to be your best. If you're going to do an interview or talk to the media, you want to be dialed in. Look your best. Feel your best. Be prepared. You don't want to create any distractions. So don't have, too, don't have big earrings. Don't have a shirt that's wrinkled. Because what you want to do is you want to be clean and tight so that all they're doing is paying attention to your message. And if you're going to talk to the media, you want to make sure that you, you – I would use – solid colors. I know a lot of people are using print these days, and that's fine. But just to keep it simple, I would say I would lean towards solid colors. Make sure it's always nice when things are a little more fit because um, that wears better on camera. And I would, if you're going to interview for the media or go interview for a job and you're going to wear a suit in person, why wouldn't you wear a suit on camera? I, that's confusing to me for people. That's also my opinion. But I think professionalism still matters. That's excellent. We have to give up the sweatshirts, I think. I mean, maybe if you're not, unless you're working for Google or something, I, I, you know, I think that there is, there is that culture for sure. I used to work, Qualcomm was my customer, and I remember there was the, the guys that I used to work with who I loved where, you know, they could wear T-shirts and, and flip-flops and stuff, and if that's the culture, that's the culture. But I think sure. you want to dress according to what that position is. And when you coach clients, is that a one-on-one -on -one situation, or, or can you coach? Can you do media coaching with a group? How does that work? I do both. I do group coaching and group uh, workshops, and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I, I can do both. And the group coaching is fun because it's, uh, it's really good team building, and it's fun. And then the one-on-one -on -one coaching is nice because 
it's it's kind of a more regular model where it's a little bit touch points or once a week and that I do that as well. That's the one-on-one coaching and they both are effective and I, I actually don't even have a preference. I love both of those. Mm-hmm. Our, our listeners may want to reach you after the show. Uh, how would you like to be contacted? Is there a website or email address? Yes, you, whatever is easiest for them. I'm on LinkedIn, and it's Katie with a Y. And then so LinkedIn is – I'm active on LinkedIn, and my website is Katie Temple Media Coaching. And my email is Katie at katietemplecoaching.com. Just remember that it's Katie with a Y, K-A-T-Y. But I would love to hear from any of your listeners. Well, I have a feeling you're going to hear from people. Um, <laughs> we, need, we need your help as we're – throwing out the sweatpants and getting back, <laughs> getting back to work and getting rid of the so's and the ums and the, you know, trying to be our most professional uh, and do our best on camera. Is there one last it's, tip you want to leave for people before we say goodbye? It's a skill set. And I, I think that people just think that they can automatically do this. And I know that there are talented people out there, but I would just tell your listeners, give yourself some grace. But if you want to be great on camera, you got to work at it. And, and that's what I would say. Give yourself some grace and work at it. Do the work and do the preparation. Thank you, Katie. And that is our show Pleasure. for today. I want to thank Katie Temple for being our leading lady today on reputation and influence. And a special thanks to all of our listeners, both here in the United States and around the world, as we are an international show. We'll be back again for another Women Lead Radio Show Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. And remember, your reputation is our business. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.